Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Living the Faith Podcast Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media RestoringTheFaith.com Apparently Pope John Paul II, before he was elected Pope, was involved in some clandestine ordinations against church law. This bombshell report from Dr. K just hit 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5 is base now, by the way. It's absolutely based. I fully endorse 1 Peter 5. It says, Lessons from Cardinal Wojtola and Cardinal Slippy. I'm not sure how to say the second one. One of the most remarkable episodes of the life of Carol Wojtola and one from which we can learn a great deal today took place during his time as Cardinal of Krakow. It is astonishing to me that with all the attention lavished on John Paul II, this incident has failed to attract notice, much less commentary. The same is true of a momentous event in the life of the great Cardinal Yosef Slippich. So, Dr. Kwasniewski goes on to explain how there were clandestine priestly ordinations happening during the Cold War. It says, During the Cold War strategy of conceding certain demands of the communists in Eastern Europe in return for supposed tolerance of an ongoing minimal ecclesiastical existence. So here we have Cardinal Wojtola, who was ordaining young men to the priesthood in secret and against the expressed wishes of Pope Paul VI. So this is pretty significant, ladies and gentlemen, because here you have the future Pope John Paul II disobeying Pope Paul VI, his Pope, when he was the Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow. He had to pursue the policy of salvare il salvabile to save what could be salvage, which, as he once put it to Archbishop Casseroli, wasn't a policy of glory. The Archbishop of Krakow, again, future Pope John Paul II, also believed he had an obligation to maintain solidarity with a persecuted and deeply wounded neighbor, the Church of Czechoslovakia where the situation had deteriorated during the years of the new Vatican Ostpolitik. So this was a stated goal of Paul VI. Pope Paul VI, he allowed the church to languish under communist rule behind the Iron Curtain. But Cardinal Waitola took matters into his own hands. He clandestinely ordained priests for service in Czechoslovakia in spite of the fact that the Holy See had forbidden underground bishops in that country to perform such ordinations. 
The ordination in Krakow were always conducted with the explicit permission of the candidate's superior, his bishop, or in the case of the members of religious orders, his provincial. Security systems had to be devised. In the case of the Silesian Fathers, a torn card system was used. The certificate authorizing the ordination was torn in half. The candidate, who had to be smuggled across the border, brought one half with him to Krakow, while the other half was sent by underground courier to the Silesian superior in Krakow. The two halves were then matched, and the ordination could proceed in the archbishop's chapel. Cardinal Wojtola did not inform the Holy See of these ordinations. He did not regard them as acts of defiance of Vatican policy, but as a duty to suffering fellow believers. Pope John Paul II regarded this secret ordination of priests during a time of persecution, during a time of tumult, as a duty, as a sacred duty. Think about the implications of this. He would go on to become Pope John Paul II, taking as his name John and Paul, the two names of the Vatican II popes, John XXIII, Paul VI, in the tradition of John Paul I, who incidentally today on the 13th of October, on the 104th anniversary of the miracle of the sun, Our Lady of Fatima, it was revealed today that there is allegedly a miracle attributed to Pope John Paul I, who died, I, I don't remember how many days, it was like 30-something days after having been elected, paving the way for John Paul II, Cardinal Waitola. So, as just as a side note, of course, they're going to canonize every single Vatican II Pope. For 500 years, we didn't have a canonized Pope in, in between Pope St. Pius V and Pope St. Pius X. There were 500 years in between those two Popes and zero saintly pontiffs. Now we are told that John the Twenty-Third, Paul the Sixth, John Paul the First, John Paul the Second, are all saints, and I'm sure that even against the expressed wishes of Francis, when Benedict dies or whoever the successor of Francis, he will also be canonized because he's a Vatican II pope. Okay, so but that's not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast is to point out the bombshell report. The bombshell report here. I'm just going to read the conclusion. I'm going to read the concluding two paragraphs from Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, a friend of Restoring the Faith, somebody I just saw actually at the CIC in Pittsburgh. Here it is. Quote, One of the many ways in which Archbishop Lefebvre is being vindicated is this. He saw that he had to keep ordaining priests, and for that matter bishops, in the traditional rite. The usus antiquor is all of a piece, a unitary, coherent, inherited lex orandi embodying the lex credendi of the Catholic faith. Yes, there are priests who were validly ordained in the new rite, as was arch-traditionalist Father Gregory Hess, and who later came to join the FSSP, SSPX, etc. But it is more important that most people realize to keep the old rites of ordination at all levels intact and alive. 
in the Congregation for Divine Worship or the Congregation for Religious were to demand that the old rites of ordination be no longer used, that too will have to be for us a non-posamos moment. This we simply cannot accept. But even more, it will for a time be the greatest challenge of all the years ahead. Will there be cardinals, archbishops, bishops who, under such circumstances, are willing to confer holy orders clandestinely in the traditional rites? Our Lord, who in his providence bestowed upon us the glorious patrimony of the Church of Rome, will surely arrange for its preservation in the hour of need. End quote. So we are in the hour of need, ladies and gentlemen, and a lot of you have wondered, what is my beef? What is my beef with Vigano? Archbishop Vigano. I don't have beef with him per se. I Look, I did the famous podcast uh, 12 months ago. It has aged well. It has aged incredibly well. I think you should check that one out. It's called The Cultus of Vigano. And it's, a, it's an examination of the official story of Archbishop Vigano. Why he's in hiding, where he could be hiding, who he's hiding from, who he could be running from. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty in-depth look. I was the very first person to link Steve Bannon and Archbishop Vigano. Nobody had ever done that. Nobody had linked those two men before. I told you that Bannon was running Vigano as part of the Trump re-election campaign. I told you that back in September of 2020, two months before the election. And then what happened? At CIC 2020, you had Bannon and Vigano. Wow. Imagine that. I guess I'm a prophet. My point is, is that when you examine the time of need that Catholics are in now, which is not too dissimilar from the time of need during the Cold War behind the Iron Curtain, the Iron Curtain has now descended upon the entire world. We are living through a communist revolution of the entire planet. There's not a square inch on this earth that is safe from communism. Now, you might say, okay, maybe I'll go to Sweden because Sweden didn't lock down or whatever, but they're still a socialist country. There's nowhere you can go. Australia is the worst. Scotland is probably the second worst. Great Britain as a whole is pretty bad. The USSA is pretty bad. And now with Traditionis Custodis and the overt attack on tradition, you're going to see fraternity parishes close. You're going to see Institute Parishes close. You've already seen it. We are in a time of need. The church is in its passion right now. The barbarians are inside the gates and at the control stations. One of the biggest complaints people levy against Archbishop Lefebvre was that he consecrated bishops without the express approval or against the express approval of Rome. Here you have Pope St. John Paul the Great. John Paul the Great. This Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow doing precisely the same thing. For a similar reason. For the salvation of souls. 
This is a bombshell report. And so what does this have to do with Vigano? Well, yeah. Vigano, to my knowledge, to your knowledge, to anything, to everything that any of us know, has not ordained a single human being in his entire lifetime. 50 plus years of active service to the church, most of which was at a, as a Vatican diplomat, a.k.a. a Vatican, Vatican spy. Never really a parish priest. Certainly not a diocesan bishop. Nonetheless, never placed his hands on a young man's head. Never conferred ordination to anyone. And that's fine that he didn't do it in his active duty service. I get that when he was working for the Vatican, working for the Secretary of State as a spy for the Vatican, as a professional spook. He didn't have occasion to ordain men. Now he does. He's retired. He's in good standing. Instead of becoming a McBlogger and reacting to every little bit of news, writing two, three, four, five Q drops a week, sorry, V drops, instead of being a McBlogger, and really, who knows who's writing in English for the man? If you've seen him speak, if you've listened to him speak, you have to assume that somebody is writing for him. So I don't know who that person is. But whoever that person is, that person is not advising His Excellency that the best way to preserve tradition is not to release these Q-drop missives, these V-drops, about the election and the pandemic and little Fauci and Donald Trump and the children of light and the children of darkness and calling Donald Trump the savior of the church, the restrainer of the Antichrist. Instead of doing that, instead of dropping red meat to the masses that people really love to read and that the remnant is going to run out and publish and that others are just going to run out and publish, LifeSite News, anything he says, oh, yeah, they all publish the same headline with the same picture at the same time. I've actually seen this. Three different news sources including 1 Peter 5, publish word for word what Archbishop Vigano says within five minutes of each other because it gets clicks. People click on it. That's great. People click on it. Wonderful. You know what I want people to click on? We want people to click on mass times in their area. Confession times. I want people to call somebody, call a local priest, who's ordained by Archbishop Vigano because we are in our passion, we are in a time of need. If John Paul the Great can do it, why can't Vigano? Why can't Archbishop Vigano consecrate 25 young men and send them out into the world to carry out the torch of tradition? Do you have any idea how many young men are struggling right now with their vocations. They're trying to become priests. They're navigating the diocesan labyrinths. I know several who are in diocesan 
training right now who have just discovered that now they have to be vaccinated in order to become priests. If, if the vaccine is the only thing standing between you and holy orders, maybe you do have a vocation. Maybe you do have a vocation and it is merely the evil men who stand in front of you who are trying to deprive you of it. And if that is the case, somebody like Archbishop Vigano should step in and gather these young men and bring them to himself and teach them and form them and make sure and test them and make sure and vet them and ordain them. If it was good enough for Czechoslovakia, it is good enough for Australia right now. It is good enough for Ireland. It is good enough for the United States of America. If it is good enough for John Paul the Great, then where are you at, V? Where are you at? I want to see you consecrating bishops. I want to see you ordaining young men to the priesthood. Because if we don't have sacraments, if we don't have young men with vocations, either in a parish setting or in a religious community setting, If we don't have those guys right now, if we cannot build those fortresses, light those candles in this vast darkness that we're living through, and it's about to get much darker, then we're going to be hurting. You know, Trump used to call politicians, all talk, no action. All talk, no action. I can't help but... Be reminded of this phrase when I think about Archbishop Vigano. All talk. Great talk. Awesome talk. Love the talks. No action. Where is the action, Your Excellency? Where's the action? I think this is a fair question. Why does nobody ask the man this question? Everybody who knows him, who is in touch with him... Everybody loves the man, adores the man, embraces him without question, without criticism. If I could ask him one question, it would be that. Your Excellency, why don't you ordain guys? Why aren't you making priests? Why don't you start a seminary? Found a seminary. You don't think that Archbishop Vigano could raise couple million dollars to buy a building and hire some professors and start a seminary? Of course he could. He could raise it overnight. But instead, all we get are perfectly worded, well-translated, not sure by whom, of course, well-translated missives about how bad things are right now. Well, guess what? I know they're bad. You know they're bad. We all know that things are bad right now. Let's talk more action. That's my two cents on it.